0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today we're continuing our series, considering the issue, can women preach, teach, be in leadership in church? Let's have a look at this issue once more. We saw last time that Genesis 2 was the institution of marriage, and in that he gave the man the responsibility of providing loving leadership for his wife. And and this is confirmed in in the New Testament very clearly in Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3 and 1 Timothy chapter 2. But you cannot read into Genesis 2 that women are forbidden to teach or preach or to hold positions of leadership in society or the church. That's reading far too much into that passage. We also saw, in Genesis 3, as a result of the fall, the authority God gave man in marriage became corrupted into a male domination. So that one way the curse was manifested was that the man ruled his wife. Uh, Another way this male domination was manifested was that women were excluded from all positions of authority or leadership. Uh, For example, in Jewish society at the time of Christ, women were not expected to attend synagogue and if they did it was only to be spectators they were certainly not allowed to speak but Jesus came to reverse the curse and set us free he in particular he came to reverse, wi- he, to release women from the bondage of male domination. He came to restore women to their God-given equality with men in honor and value and, and he demonstrated this for a start in the way he treated women with honor and respect. And then through his death and resurrection, he brought in the new covenant in himself where the curse is reversed and full equality restored between Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male and female. That's what Galatians 3.26 says. We're all sons of God through faith in Christ. Uh, Verse 28 says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now. Obviously, this doesn't remove the natural distinctives between men and women, uh, including God's order of marriage. But it does say that men and women are joint heirs together, equal inheritors in the new covenant in Christ. There's no difference between male and female as far as the new covenant is concerned. Now, the blessings of the new covenant are in the Holy Spirit poured out by Jesus Christ. And these blessings include the ministry gifts as well. Therefore, this is saying in Galatians that God does not impart his blessings, his callings, his anointings, his giftings on the basis of gender or status in society or race. And this is confirmed that all three lists of the ministry gifts in the New Testament, Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, there is no hint of a distinction between men and women in the distribution of ministries. It simply emphasizes that God has given everyone. A ministry gift to be a blessing in the body as soon as Christ rose from the dead let's that what's the first thing he did he deliberately started to restore women to a place of honor and ministry he chose to appoint women to be the first evangelists of the resurrection and he rebuked the men for not receiving their ministry and in that he was going against the Jewish culture of the time which rejected the testimony of women that's in the Talmud Mark 16 11, it says now when he rose early on the first day of the week he appeared first to Mary Madeline a woman out of whom he cast seven demons she went and told those who'd been with him he told her to go in fact and its as they mourned and wept and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her they did not believe they rejected her witness after that he appeared in another form to two of the women as they walked and went in the country and they went and told it to the rest but they did not believe them either. Later he appeared to the eleven, the apostles, as they sat at table. And what did he do? He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those women who had seen him after he'd risen. He rebuked the men who rejected the ministry of women. He could easily have chosen to appear to the apostles first. It would have been logical, in fact, to do that, but he wanted to make a point of affirming that God calls women also to ministry. Twice he released the women to be the first evangelists, to be the apostles to the apostles. And then when the risen Christ poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost at the start of the church age, Peter gave the definitive message for the church age. And in that message was the proclamation of the, this was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, which predicted the spirit of God would be poured out on all flesh, male and female equally. Let's read that. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. This is talking about the release of anointings for ministry, including the public speaking ministry of prophecy, which most would, would agree includes inspired preaching, is, is, is prophecy. God emphasized here, that ministry anointings and giftings are equally available for men as for women, women as for men. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, men servants, maidservants, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. So Joel prophesied a release of women's ministry for the New Testament times as a result, as a demonstration of Christ's undoing the curse and reversing the call, the, the, the fall through his death and resurrection. this was demonstrated by the public ministry and the temple of the men and the women on that day. In Acts 2.1 it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Who were they? Check Acts 1.15. It was 120 men and women, probably in equal numbers. They were all gathered together in one place, which was the temple. This was a big event. And both men and women were speaking in tongues and in a prophetic sense and people came to salvation and so this was demonstrated in the public ministry of women along with the men on the day of Pentecost. Now Ephesians 4 as well, one of the key passages on the ministry gifts confirms that women are anointed to preach. Ephesians 4 says to each of, one of us, male and female grace, this is grace to minister, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. These are ministry gifts that he gives to mankind. Now, this is a quotation from Psalm 68, verse 18. And and then it goes on to say, he himself gave some to be apostles. These are the gifts. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. When Christ ascended here, to heaven he received all the ministry gifts from the Father and he then poured them out in the Holy Spirit. The interesting thing is this passage quotes Psalm 68 and that Psalm is a messianic prophecy of the ascension of Christ speaking of how he will defeat his enemies and ascend on high and pour out gifts to men. Let's have a look at Psalm 68 I think you'll find this interesting. It starts by saying let God arise let his enemies be scattered. That's Christ that's rising. Let God, Christ, arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him flee before him. Then it says, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As max melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. Then the next verses, 5 to 10, speak of the the wonderful inheritance that this ascended God provides for his people, including the heavens, dropping plentiful rain at the presence of God. Perhaps a picture of the Holy Spirit being poured out. Then verse 11 speaks of the release of female evangelists. The New King James says, The Lord gave the word, and great was the company who proclaimed it. But the Hebrew actually denotes a female company. That's why Young's literal says, the Lord doth give the saying, the female proclaimers are a numerous host. This is predicting the release of women evangelists, speaking the word of God, proclaiming the new covenant. The new American says, the Lord gives the command, the women who proclaim the good tidings are a great host. Hallelujah. In connection with the ascension of Christ. Psalm 68 predicts the anointing of many female preachers to proclaim the good news. And then reading on, verse 18 is the the verse quoted by Ephesians. To the ascension of Christ. You have ascended on high, you've led captivity captive. You've received gifts. He received gifts from the Father to give among men, even the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there, that God's presence might dwell among his people. Ephesians, you see, elaborates that these gifts are ministry gifts, such as preachers, such as evangelists. And, and there's no sense in these passages that these gifts are for men only. Moreover, verse 11 clearly says that many of these preachers, called and anointed, sent by the risen Christ, will be women. Does God call women to preach today? Absolutely, he does. Psalm 68 concludes in verse 19 blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits the God of our salvation our God is the God of salvation and to God the Lord belong escapes from death you see by his resurrection Jesus escaped death and he won the escape from death for us and every day now we are daily loaded with benefits hallelujah and so the release of women's ministry was predicted in Psalm 68 but there is a problem passage, 1 Corinthians 14, 35, 34 and 35, we've got to have to deal with that. Doesn't that, let me read it to you first of all, let your women keep silent in the churches, for it's not permitted for them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it's shameful for women to speak in church. Sounds like that this specifically tells women that they cannot preach. They cannot even speak in church. And and so we need to look at that passage. What is, how can we understand that? Um, One problem is it seems to contradict the rest of the word of God, where women are allowed to speak in church and participate in the service. So we've got to understand what that passage means. Uh, In fact, whatever position you take on women in ministry, this is a problem passage for you. Everyone, as it were, tries to explain it away in some way. They need to modify it because it's so brutal. Um, It's so uncompromising that you cannot fit it with other scriptures without modifying it. And so some, for example, try and explain it away as a special command to the unruly women at Corinth. They will... They were uh, gossiping and making a noise in church. And so, you know, it doesn't apply to us today. It was just a special situation. But if we treat scripture that way, what's stopping us from treating other scriptures we don't like that way? Surely, the New Testament is for the whole church. And anyway, this passage doesn't just say, you women of Corinth. It says, let the women in the churches be silent. It talks about all women in all churches and this command is also based on the law it says and so it must apply generally let's see what this passage is actually saying let's take it seriously when it says these women must be silent this is not the word we saw before about having a quiet spirit Um, it actually means total silence they're not they are actually not allowed to speak one word. They must be completely silent in church. It Doesn't just disqualify them from teaching, disqualifies them from testifying, praying, singing, prophesying, moving in the gifts of the Spirit. They are to be silent, they are not to participate in any way. Rather like was the rule in the Jewish synagogues of that time. Now, the first problem of this passage is it contradicts Paul's teaching elsewhere. He said in chapter 11 that women may pray and prophesy in church. Um, He said in the the very chapter, chapter 12, that all are members of the body and all have a ministry, all have a contribution. Uh, In chapter 14, he said all can prophesy. When you come together, every one of you, men and women, has a psalm, has a doctrine. That means teaching. That means all, the women too, can bring teaching in the church. Has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Verse 31 says, you may all prophesy one by one. So why three verses later does he say that all women must be silent? Uh, Is he being double-minded? Is he confused? This is the first problem. In the middle of encouraging everyone to move out in ministry, he's then telling the women to be silent. This also, of course, contradicts the whole spirit of the New Testament, where Jesus taught women, gave women honor. Uh, the churches were set free from the Jewish traditions. There's full equality, Galatians 3:28. Uh, the spirits poured out on all flesh for ministry, and so forth. We have a problem here. The second problem is that this passage actually discourages women from learning and studying the word. It says, and if they must learn, if they will learn, let them ask their husbands at home. This tone is condescending to women. Not only should they not speak, it's optional for them to learn the word. It's kind of frowned on, really. This is contradicted to what we saw in Timothy 2 where it says, let the woman learn. But here he is actually saying, If they will learn well, they aren't even to ask questions in church. They must talk to their husband at home. The third problem is the authority used by this passage. It says it's not permitted for women to speak as also the law says. What law is this? Well, four possibilities. One, it's the Old Testament, the law of Moses. But usually Paul refers to this by saying it is written. Here it says, the law says. Well, we'll come back to that. It could be the teaching of Jesus. Uh, It could be the apostolic teaching of the apostles, including Paul, that they received by revelation. Or, fourthly, it could be the oral law of the Jews, what's known as the Jewish traditions. That was a law that was later written down as the Talmud. And and the scribes and the Pharisees of that time, they had an interpretation of the law that they'd been building up over time, that they put on an equal level to the scripture. They called that their law. And it's followed by the Pharisees and Orthodox Jews even to this day. Uh, They falsely claimed that it was handed down from Moses by word of mouth. And so they had the written law and the oral law alongside each other. And that's where Jesus came into conflict with the Pharisees, not on the written word, but, because, but he said, your traditions have nullified the word of God. And so he rejected that law. Now, Corinthians 14, 34, 35, talks about the women being silent, as also the law says. There must be a law of silence in somewhere. What is that law? Well, there is no such law in the Old Testament. You cannot find it. It is not there. Um, So it can't be the Old Testament law. It's just, it isn't there. Um, It's neither the others. The teaching of Jesus or the apostolic tradition, you won't see that. That leaves us with only one possibility. It was the Jewish Talmudic law, the oral law of the Pharisees. That's confirmed by the phrase, as also says the law. That's a reference to the oral law. Jesus referred to the oral law too as Matthew 5. He said, you heard that it was said, but I say to you. He wasn't contradicting the Old Testament. He was contradicting their interpretation of the Old Testament, the oral law. Well, we also know it's the oral law very simply because it agrees completely with the Talmud. And it's the law in many orthodox synagogues today. The service is for men only. Women are discouraged from even learning the Bible, but they are allowed sometimes to watch from the gallery. You know, Hillary and I went on honeymoon to Jerusalem, and we did a tour of the synagogues in Jerusalem. And in fact, some of the synagogues, Hillary wasn't allowed to go in. They said, if we don't allow our own women in the synagogue, why should we let this foreign woman in the synagogue? And that was their law. And it would be shameful for a woman to speak in the assembly out of the question. And so this is coming straight out of the oral law. The Talmud quotes give an example of this. The Jewish prayer was uh, at that time, praise God he hasn't created me a gentile, a woman or an ignorant man. Another quote is, the woman says the law is in all things inferior to a man. Only men could speak in public. No woman could give a testimony or conduct business Women were, in fact, it's quite insulting to women in many places. They were not required to know the law, and few of them were therefore learned. One said, may the words of the Torah be burned rather than given to a woman. And so in public worship, they were segregated and silenced. And they had to, if they had any questions, they had to ask their husbands at home. And this is the attitude of the writer of these two verses this was a pharisaical attitude to women and he used this Jewish law to support his views now here's the issue why would Paul say something that contradicted the rest of the New Testament and the context why would he establish his teaching on the Jewish oral law when he and Jesus rejected it elsewhere the simple answer is these verses are not Paul at all they're not Paul's teaching you see his letters were written in response to church situations church questions and one Corinthians in particular more far more than any other letter is a responsive letter reports were coming to Paul questions were coming to Paul all kinds of issues from all the people with different backgrounds in the church and he was answering their questions one by one now concerning this now concerning that and in particular there was a lot of disunity and there were two main groups you might say there may be Jews from their background tending to be legalistic and the Greeks on the other side tending towards license and Paul had to deal with them one by one and deal with the issues that were coming up and sometimes in Corinthians at least three times if not more he actually quotes what they say what they said to them in the letter and then he comes back at them the problem is you see that the original Greek does not have punctuation or quotation marks. So often the translators miss them out. Go to 1 Corinthians 6. Here's an example of this when he actually is talking to the Greeks, some of the loose Greeks who think well I'm free in Christ I can do whatever I like. This is what he says in verse 12. All things are lawful for me. That's not Paul. The The NIV gets it right and puts quotations around that. In other words, what he's saying is, you say, all things are lawful for me, but I say, but all things are not helpful. That's Paul responding. Then they come back at him. It's like an imaginary conversation. All things are lawful for me. And then he responds, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Then they say, food is for the stomach, and stomach is for food. I can, uh, but I, Paul say, but God will destroy it and them. He does another one in Corinthians 7.1 about legal in response to legalistic Jews, which say, Now concerning what you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. He said, Don't even touch a woman. Be celibate. But I, Paul, say, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each have his own wife. Now you see we can understand what's going on. Paul is quoting what some Jewish uh, converts so Christ have been saying in a letter, they're complaining about the women being involved in the church services. They're saved, yes, but they're used to the male-dominated synagogue worship. And they're scandalized by these women participating in church meetings, sharing a teaching, sharing testimony, praying, prophesying. They found this equality of women hard to take. They were saying, Paul, these women are prophesying, they're praying out loud, they're speaking in tongues. The law says that it's shameful for a man a woman to speak in public Paul tell them to shut up and so as Paul is teaching on the subject of every member participating in church services moving in the gifts of the Spirit it's a natural place for him to deal with their objection so he quotes what they say Let your women be silent in the churches. It's not permitted for them to speak, but they're commanded to be under obedience, as the law also says, and if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it's shameful for women to speak in the church. This sudden change in the mood and subject is actually indicated in the Greek. Then he answers them and says, What? Came the word of God out from you, or came it to you only? If anyone think himself a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write to you apostolic teaching not the Talmud they're the commandments of the Lord but if anyone chooses to be ignorant let him be ignorant and so that's why these verses come out the blue they're not Paul they're someone who's opposing Paul it's a clear interruption in the flow and this is marked out and separates it from Paul's views and so the way it reads is this Paul says you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all be comforted. And then this converted Pharisee comes in, Let your women be silent in the churches. It's not permitted for them to speak. As also saith the Lord law. And if they look want to learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. And then Paul replies, What came the word of God out for you only? If any man think himself a prophet, let him acknowledge that what I say is the word of the Lord. And so Paul is not silencing women. Uh, the opposite he's trying to silence the women silences Paul is fighting for the freedom of women to speak in church against the Jewish culture of his time and those who are too quick to agree with these verses have unwillingly submitted to a pharisaical spirit this passage simply confirms what we've seen in the rest of the Bible what I want you to realize is Paul is not coming against women speaking in church rather the opposite he is saying yes you may prophesy Yes, you may be involved. You are equal with men. God anoints you to speak his word as well. So do not be intimidated. But if God has gifted you and called you to minister, then fulfill your calling because you're going to need to answer to God in the end. And men who are blocking women from preaching, please get back to the word of God and you'll see that in fact you're opposing God, you're not promoting God.